Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. back from the deathbed. I've missed two weeks of football with, like, serious illness. It hasn't been fun. But no, it has been fun. LSU football. Because beating Florida is always fun. And of course, I'm joined by Max. How's it going, Max? You know, I've been reading all of the, uh, the media reports about quotes that are coming out, like, Florida players, when asked about like all oh, the lack of adjustments and all that stuff, asking Anthony Richardson if he's going to transfer, and it's been very, very funny. Yeah, I, I like that the the topic of no adjustments is being applied to the other team. And but speaking of adjustments, like one of the big adjustments that LSU made was a running counter, which was kind of framed as like this positive news story of Mariucci, you know, our analyst looked at the tape. And said, hey, why don't you run counter? And, you know, if the guy who makes baseball bats is analyzing your offense and saying something as basic as, hey, why don't you run counter every once in a while? That's kind of an indictment of the coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, I would have, like, I wrote, I wrote in July that, like, they're going to face a lot of tight fronts, uh, which they did, and that they should start running counter like all the other, you know, cool new teams. Uh, I would have done that for free. I don't know why they're paying. I don't know why they're paying people to do this. Like, I mean, you know, it's it's October. I would have done this in September, and I would have done it for free. So, you know, something for them. I mean, well, Mariucci. I mean, mean, he's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right now before I hear any more nails in the chalkboard. It's Jack Marucci. Come on, man. Jack Marucci. I'm sorry. It's Marucci. I'm thinking Marucci is the the former uh, uh, San Francisco 49ers coach. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he single-handedly like, turned the baseball bat industry on his head. Get his last name. Yeah, right. he, he's awesome. Like, yeah. so he's earning his paycheck. No problem there. And the fact that he's doing offensive coaches' jobs for them on the football team in a different sport, that's really going above and beyond. Give that man a raise. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a – I've been kind of thinking about it, like – there is a possibility that it is just a routine thing they do where they just get the data on a bunch like and just give a coach give the coaches the reports on the data, which is honestly a pretty routine thing. But if he's if he really brought it to them and it was the first like it wasn't the first time they started running counter against these fronts. Like they did it they did it against Kentucky when they they started to do it and they actually had a lot of success with it. It just kind of got drowned out in the fact that, you know, they didn't have as much success. And they got their doors beat in. Um, but, like, the adjustments really, really started a week ago against Kentucky. And, and you know, I, I, I kind of noted that in the review, which, you know, I don't think anybody really cared about because they got beat by 100 by Kentucky. But, like, yeah, I mean, there's a possibility it was just a routine data report and we're kind of blowing it out of proportion. But if it's not and it's that, you know, Jack Marucci – was the inspiration behind them running counter against the tight front, which is just a, you know, film 101 kind of thing. That's, I mean, they should get extra fired for that. It's more the fact that they hadn't done it before. I mean, we're, what, six, seven weeks into the season, and somebody finally came up with the idea, you know, to do something that, you know, morons on the internet could come up with. Exactly. That's not a good sign. And and also that goes into one of the bigger problems with Orgeron's regime, which is now kind of sadly coming to an end. I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone in LSU land is given high fives. I I think there is still a lot of goodwill for him, particularly I think that he's bowing out gracefully. This could have been a lot uglier. Um, But that said, one of the biggest indictments for a guy who's going to bill himself as a CEO coach and they say, well, we're going to fire you mid season and hire an intern. There was no one on staff 
that really was qualified to be the interim head coach other than maybe Corey Raymond. And that's really an indictment of a CEO coach who is supposed to, you know, put together great coordinators to run the daily bits of the program. Yeah. I mean, you can't like, you can't go after coordinators to kind of, to kind of recreate your past greatness, even if that past greatness is as recent as two years ago. Like, you know, these things move really, really quickly and you don't have the players you did back then. Like in the, uh, I forgot if it was in the uh, Brody Miller article or the uh, Ross Dellinger article, but like, you know, somebody talked about how he was just chasing the ghost of Joe Brady. I mean, like you have to be, you have to be generally apprised in what the trends are and then go after people, you know, are going to be able to implement them at a high level. And that's what they did with Joe Brady. Um, But that was, two years ago and there is no there is no lasting you know formula schematically necessarily for college football that doesn't you know change within a couple of years like a lot of the general guidelines you know will stay similar but like man it's quicksand like that that ground beneath you is shifting quickly and if you're not apprised of that you are going to get swallowed and that's what ha- that's part of what happened yeah i think if you're ever trying to find the next this guy, you're already in trouble. Right. Like that's already a problem. I mean, the the thing that made Joe Brady such a good hire is that he wasn't the next anybody. He he was Joe Brady. Uh, he, he was this guy, you know, kind of a wonderkind who came up there. And he also had, for all the good he did, I do think Steve Ensminger kind of gets left out of this. He did oh, have sure. an established offensive coordinator there to hold his hand mm-hmm. to actually run the offense. I mean, Brady is a great play caller. He's clearly a star in the making. Uh, he's probably going to be a head coach in the NFL very, very shortly. But I don't like how Ensminger's just been totally written out of this. You know, I, I totally agree with that. Like a lot of, you know, what they are do what they were doing in 2019, they really started to kind of do in the bowl practices for the Fiesta Bowl. Like we saw a pretty different offense uh, that, you know, was, you know, more diversified, that was more spread out. That was, uh, you know, more aggressive and and multiple in the passing game, and like you know, I just I, I feel like that's sort of been memory hold. Um, just the amount of game planning they did in that game to jump start what was the twenty nineteen offense, and like in particular, you know, one of their concepts, the uh, doubles concept or nine eight nine that the Bengals, by the way, are are really killing teams with with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. Like, that was not brought by Joe Brady. That was run a lot in 2018 by Steve Ensminger. And, like, I mean, he called a majority of the plays that year. He was the dominant play caller. Like, the fact that that has been memory hold, I think, is very unfortunate. Yeah, and also I think it's it shows how good Orgeron was when he was at his best. That was a really unique idea. He's going to take this old hand. Steve Ensminger has been around the game for, you know, 30, 40 years has, you know, an LSU legend. He was a quarterback in the 70s, for God's sakes. And, you know, he's just a guy who's just loyal to the program forever. And he's a guy that everyone respects. But then they also bring in this, you know, this young Turk who's going to come in and, like, take over the game kind of thing. And it was this marriage that really could have blown up in everyone's face, you know, to pair those two up. And it it just works so seamlessly, mainly because Ensminger is a guy who apparently has no ego whatsoever. Yeah, whatsoever. I mean, the guy's amazing. I think so much of it made it work that he was a guy who was willing to stand in the background and let Brady get all the accolades. The reason he has been memory hold is because I think Steve Ensminger wants it that way. I mean, it's not like he's going for his next job. He's retired. Right. And he knows what he did. He doesn't need us to go up and say, hey, Steve, you did a good job. But Steve, you did a really good job too. Yeah, like I I, I think – it's so unique in coaching to have a guy who has just, you know, no ego in the way that he did, like, which is, by the way, why he got hired, uh, because he's coming off of, Ed Orgeron was coming off of Matt Canada, who had more ego than any coach in, like, the history of football. Um, So, you know, he wanted a guy who he knew would go in there and be for the program, um, that he knew could call plays at least pretty solidly. Uh, And, you know, he was a little bit behind on, you know, 
systems and everything, but that's why they brought in Joe Brady. And it was, it was, that was Ensminger's idea too. After, you know, after they met with Joe Brady to kind of discuss, you know, RPO concepts and everything, because they were looking to modernize the offense. He's like, yeah, we need to bring this guy on. If I remember correctly, that might be totally wrong, but like, so Steve Ensminger knowing, you know, knowing what they kind of had to do and being humble enough to admit that like, he doesn't have all the answers. It's just that is just such an unsung, an unsung moment, you know, in the 2019 season is that like he is the kind of coach that's willing to do that and and he should get credit for that too. Yeah, and you kind of wonder how Pete's would be doing if he would have had an older coach just to help him along. I mean, he would still be the offensive coordinator, but just to have someone on staff is like, hey. I can bounce some ideas off of you. And it just doesn't feel like he has that. He's kind of learning on the fly and man, it took him a while, but Darian Davis price. I mean, what a game. I mean, he, he upended the uh, LSU rushing record. And if you would have told me that two weeks ago, yeah, right. I would not have believed you. And I, I mean, he, he got rid of a guy we, whose name we wanted to purge from the record books from a while. And I did like on the broadcast, they said he topped Leonard Fournette's record. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was, which I thought was funny. They don't, it, was, it was like they just went straight to Fournette. Yeah, it's still his record. But yeah, but to take down Leonard Fournette's record, well, even though it wasn't Fournette's record, that's, I mean, that that's heady company to be, to be in. And it's sort of a little similar to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who was a kind of guy who everyone poo-pooed and said, you know, you're not good enough. Your your job's going to get taken. It's not quite the same story because Hilaire did it over an entire season, but it is kind of a reflection of that 2019 moment. A guy who had been told, hey, you're going to get replaced by someone else on the staff. I mean, someone else on the roster. The fan base has kind of turned on him, and then, boom, you're setting records. Yeah, I mean, that's that's – that's true for sure. And like, it kind of goes back to the, you know, the fallacy that a lot of people kind of buy into that. Oh, if you just change the running back, your running game is going to be fine. Like that's what the Steelers tried to do this year. And they drafted Najee Harris in the first round and their offensive line is just terrible. And it's still terrible. And you know, it, they made, it got worse and they can't run the ball. And they're like, Oh, but we picked a running back in the first round. Like, no, 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 no. The problem was not Ty Davis price. The problem was never Ty Davis price. It was it was scheme and it was the fact that they couldn't block anybody. But like, you know, you know, you said that point about Jake Pete's kind of adjusting on the fly and learning the college, at least relearning because he was an analyst at Alabama in eighteen, uh, relearning the college game kind of on the fly. Like the you know running counter against the tight front is very much a college scheme phenomenon. Like the tight front is not run in the NFL outside of you know a little bit. So it's not like a big thing you have to game plan around. Um, so like, yeah, that's that's very much like, you know, a, adjusting and learning the college game. I think if you have a guy like Steve Ensminger who's around, who's, you know, seen all these defenses, I think that could have been done sooner. Although, you know, Ensminger is like an analyst and they have analysts and whatnot. So they should have figured this out anyway. Like Nick Saban brought Bill O'Brien back and they're still running, you know, legit college stuff because they have their shadow staff maintaining the system year over year over year. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Bill O'Brien, if LSU hires Bill absolutely O'Brien, not. I am no. going to – I will gush blood. I, I cannot even imagine why we're considering that. Yeah, it's it, that's, I know the name, that's so ridiculous. Uh, maybe they're not considering it because every, this is the point of a coaching search where every name that's being floated is bullshit. But that was the one where I was just like, you have got to be kidding me. Yeah, no, that, that, that one um, – I was I kind of felt that way about Dabo. Um, yeah, I, I. But the thing is, that actually sounds like a Woodward hire. Doesn't oh, it? it does. And the, like the thing is, like I I don't know that we are not seeing Dabo collapse in the same way at Clemson. Like this team is bad. This team sucks. Yeah, I think he is. And and look, let's give some credit to Orgeron. The teams he's lost to have not. Okay, UCLA is. But the teams he lost to aren't that bad. I, I mean, Kentucky is a good team. Auburn, who I didn't think was any good, you know, they pull off a pretty big win against Arkansas this week. They're still in the top 25. They don't really have a huge stinker of a loss. Clemson's losing to some bad teams. I mean, like Clemson is bad. Clemson's offense, and I've complained about our offense a lot, but like 
Clemson's offense is worse. It's it's worse schematically, and the it's worse in terms of output. And I think the really disturbing thing is that LSU's quarterback is Max Johnson, who is, you know, okay, decently talented. I think if you put him in a really good system with really good receivers, he could really produce. But DJ Uyangalele is supposed to be a top three pick. And the fact that you are struggling as much as you are with him is bizarre. Like he, he does not look like a top three pick. He, no, he, no, he, he hasn't because he like, looks awful. You know, he really does. But like they've made him that way. He didn't look like this last year. He was way better when he was. He started a couple games. We saw him. Like he looked way better. And like they are just calling like the same, like five pass concepts outside the numbers. They won't throw to the middle of the field. They won't use play action. They won't really run anything but inside zone. Uh, they can't get into the right protections. I mean, it looks like LSU's offense, you know, with a lot of the same problems, except like it's just even worse. It's yeah, so it's, like, it's I yeah, don't. That, that's want, one that makes me. Yeah, it, it feels like he's the milk that's been left out for a while. He has reached past his expiration date. Like he's got, like he's got, he's got to fire Tony Elliott, and he's got to get somebody like hyper modern who's not trying to run, you know, Chad Morris's offense from six years ago. Um. And like, and kind of join us in the 21st century. And like, it, it, it's sort of a similar, you know, phenomenon with Jake Peets. It's like, all right, you're trying to chase this offense you won championships with, and now it sucks. Yeah. And but with Peets, at least they're chasing an offense from two years ago. Right. And the thing is, what made that offense, I still think that offense can work. The problem is, is that you need someone like Joe Burrow. And the problem is, is that Joe Burrow doesn't grow on trees. Really doesn't. There are. I mean, you are lucky as a college football fan if there are two quarterbacks in the country at that level in a season. Yeah, and I mean, like, it, it isn't just like – the thing about Joe Burrow is that Joe Burrow is was processing and, you know, yeah. handling a demand – handling, you know, a post-snap processing demand that you never see from college quarterbacks. Like, it's not like – it's not like, okay, there's maybe one Joe Burrow every couple of years. No, no, no. Like, there's a Joe Burrow, at least in the modern day, like once every never. In terms of I mean, what yeah, his he process, did well. I think the, the two things about uh, Burrow that were so great. One, I think you're right. It's his processing speed. That guy was able uh, – he, he allowed the offensive line to not block people and he could still find the open. Yeah. And in college, basically the reason teams blitz so much in college is because quarterbacks make bad decisions. Right. They're, they're kids. And so it, it makes sense in college to blitz more than you do in the NFL because in the NFL, an NFL quarterback will kill you. In college – he'll panic and make a bad pass. Burrow is an NFL quarterback, right. so he's always going to make the right, not always make the right read, but really. And the other thing is, Burrow is one of the most competitive human beings on the planet. And I know these are all college football players. They play at a high level. Everybody's competitive at this level. But, I mean, his compete level was off the charts. Even the year before 2019, that 2018 year, that Georgia game where he just basically just ran the ball down Georgia's throat himself, that's a guy who... I mean, he was putting his head down like a running back to get big yards. He he is truly a guy who will put it all out there, which is kind of makes you nervous at times because he's going to get himself killed. And that's kind of happening a little bit in the NFL. But, man, that guy is just – he has that intangible it factor. Yeah, and that's rare. Yeah. And you can't coach that. that. You either have it or you don't. And – so few guys have it. Yeah, like it, it. I think the the thing about you know the 2019 LSU offense is that like if you're playing and by the way like if if they did if Joe Burrow weren't that level Joe Brady would have adapted it like you know we've seen Joe Brady kind of make his offense a little bit easier for Sam Darnold um, because Sam Darnold sucks, uh, but like so he would have adapted it like it would have been much more yeah, RPO heavy. Uh, they would have used a lot more play action, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, like, if your plan is to have an NFL quarterback in your college offense, you don't have a plan. Like, that's my problem yeah. with Jimbo Fisher and why I don't want to hire Jimbo Fisher is because we're still kind of going to be in that situation. Like, th that's a pretty NFL offense, too. It's not quite as fun as Joe Brady's, but, like, it's still, like, that's the kind of processing demand you have. Like, you are going to have to do NFL kind of stuff instead of just, like, doing what Matt Corral is doing and, you know, moving defenders with play action, isolating and putting defenders in conflict with RPOs and just like making a quick read and throwing the ball all over the yard. Like that is it's it's 
it's an offense you don't really have to think in, but like if you have a guy who's a really, really talented thrower, you're gonna you're gonna, you know, make bank in it, no matter like how sketchy of a processor he is. And that's what you need to do because then you can just recruit highly at quarterback and then just put guys in and go. Yeah, and look, and this is not to say that Max Johnson for his flaws is still a he's a good college quarterback. Yeah, he's fine. I, I mean, he's definitely above the curve. So I when we knock Max Johnson Basically, it's kind of the comparison because right recently, this is very recently, to win a national title, you need an elite quarterback. And maybe we're moving out of that era, or maybe there's just no elite quarterback this year, which yeah, is certainly yeah. possible. Um, but you still need to figure out how you can win with a four-star level talent, which sounds just so arrogant. Um, but what was great, taking it back to the Florida game, what made it so great is that LSU is this incredibly talented roster and you're just like, how are they not able to be better with this as your raw materials? And for them to be missing eight defensive starters from the UCLA uh, depth chart uh, to be missing uh Boutte, who's your best offensive player. I mean, he's, yeah, he's the franchise. Um, you can, you know, we're, we're talking about Davis price, but you're still missing Emory. I mean, if nothing else, you want to have a change up back, you know, you're missing a guy who, could have been your starting quarterback in Brennan. I mean, the offensive line is still banged up. They're still rotating guys in there. And for them to go out there and have that game, that shorthanded, really says a lot about the character of the players. But also I think it shows that the players still are playing for Orgeron. They, they, they've never tapped out. And that's good to see. Because we were in danger after the Kentucky game of – total give up yeah i mean i, I and that's honestly, when things get was, ugly if i were on that roster i kind of would have checked out after uh after kentucky but like so like i would kind of get it but at the same time like i you know we kind of heard like as ed ogeron was getting fired like the whole narrative was like oh ed ogeron lost the locker room he lost the program and like yeah there were some you know hiccups with the uh you know the now infamous you know walkout protest that he just you know blew off uh but like I think that wound had been patched last season. And I think like the fact that like people are bringing it up as like some lasting damage, I don't think that's accurate. Like they play for him. Winning would have cured everything. If LSU was, if LSU would have won 10 games last year, no one would be talking about it. Yeah. I mean, if there's no COVID Jamar chase doesn't opt out. Um, And so you end up going into the season with miles, Brennan, Jamar chase and Terrace Marshall. And honestly, like miles, Brennan doesn't break his arm from there that gives you a gigantic offensive floor like that. You're going to be very good with those two receivers and a talented yeah. quarterback. Like you're going to be really good. Um, and you know, the defense would have still sucked. It wouldn't have been quite as bad because they would have, you know, had more things ironed out with a more robust off season. But like the, uh, the thing about Bo Pelini just missing meetings and not being interested in his job at all. I yeah. mean, like that, that, that is, that is sort of, reflective i think of of why the ed orgeron era fell apart yeah. like no I, I think orgeron was far more doomed by bad hires for his assistance and also just a lack of attention to detail yeah than losing the locker room and i think that's what the florida game shows and what really makes the florida game i know this sounds silly but a big thing about the florida game is it allows him to play out the rest of the year it, it gave lsu cover to say okay you can stay you're, you're, you know, you're going to resign, but we're going to do this. We're not going to humiliate you. We're not going to leave you on the tarmac. And it, it, it let everybody save face. And there's something to that because as they say, you know, when, you know, when the ax is going to fall, how much does it matter how a man falls? When all that's left is the fall, it matters very much. Right. And with Orgeron, we can say, He's made a lot of mistakes 2020 and 2021, but he has handled the end very well. Yeah. And as LSU fans, we should be thankful for that because he could have burned this down. Yeah. And you know what? He's, I think he's going to do a lot to save the recruiting class. I think he will too. I think he's out there still recruiting. Yeah. Like he was, he was talking about today. He's like, I I called a bunch of recruits and said, LSU is still the place for you. Uh, And that's really, really big of him. Uh, I think like, particularly even if like Lane Kiffin is the next coach, hypothetically, like that's a guy he knows really well. I think like he and Lane Kiffin could, you know, team up together to reach out to recruits. Uh, and I think that would really uh, go a long way. That's, you know, that that's getting ahead of ourselves here. But like, I think 
he's going to be engaged in kind of saving the recruiting class when like he could have released all the skeletons, he could have destroyed the recruiting class, and he could have salted the earth for the next head coach. Yeah, because what would have happened is, you know, Orgeron starts snip, sniping at Scott Woodward, Woodward starts sniping at him, the players start coming out, and it becomes like this circular firing squad where everybody's blaming everybody. And instead, he, O has stepped forward and said, it's my fault I didn't do a good enough job. Yeah, I'm stepping yes. down. This was the greatest years of my life. I mean, I love LSU, but it's time I'm gone. And it 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 not only meant that he didn't, you know, salt the earth, it meant that nobody else had to respond. So th- there isn't a whole lot of going into the players and saying, hey, what about this rumor and what about this rumor? I mean, there is the one about him bringing girlfriends in there. Which, yeah, that's false. Yeah, which, that yeah which every player has come out and said, no, that didn't happen. But if he was saying negative things right now, maybe that goes differently. Right. I mean, maybe players don't debunk the rumor, but they don't say anything at all and let it hang. Yeah, I, like I, I don't think they would feel any any incentive to go out and defend him, uh, and, and they are, and like, and and you, we've seen former players come out and defend him. So I think, like, I think the the more amicable this separation is, I think the better the situation is going forward. I think the better the situation for Ed Ogeron in his future career, and I think he kind of knows that. Um, and good for him for for taking time off after this. I think he needs it. Yeah, he needs it. I, I think that's really the problem. I, 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 you know, we've alluded to it a lot in the past. I, I do think the divorce has had a lot to do with it, and he just feels like a guy whose life was kind of spiraling out of control. And for him to take a year off, the guy's got millions of dollars. Take a year for yourself, work on you, and then come back to your career. It'll yes. still be there. And honestly, the best idea I've heard from him is I think he's perfect for TV. Yeah. Yeah. He really, he, he, he I, he, I, I've always thought he was going to do that eventually. I still think there's, I, I think there's still think there's a future for him in coaching. Um, I think that he deserves, I think once he, you know, kind of collects himself, gets his mind in order, gets his, you know, life in order and is able to actually come, come back and run the minutia of a program the way he once did. I think he could do a really good job somewhere. But then yeah, again, so TV is, if he want if like he's coached for a long time, uh, he's accomplished a lot. He's had the best, he was the head coach of the best team in college football history and he built it. It's not like a Larry Coker situation where he just walked into, you know, what Butch Davis built. Like he. No, he, he built, built it. That. Yeah. Like, yeah, he, he was. He, and honestly, he was on the staff before he became head coach. Yep. He was, you know, the chief recruiter before then. Yep. So it is those were his recruits period he built that roster and honestly you know the biggest parts of it were you know those uh um the transfers yeah which is you know beyond recruiting he is outside of Saban there have been few people who have been better at the transfer window yeah you know Mel Tucker's been pretty damn good at it too and yeah and hey you know what let's get into it because before I said let's not talk about coaches when Orgeron is still hanging in limbo. Well, we now know he's going to be gone. So now we can get into the fun baseless speculation. <laughs> well, who do you have as what's your head coaching list? Well, my, like, you know, it's probably, it's pretty similar to everybody else's. I, I, I don't have Luke fickle on it because Luke fickle is not going to take a job outside the Midwest until uh, the Ohio state, Notre Dame or Penn state jobs open. So I agree um, with that. I, so, I, I, I don't yeah. think he's a fit here. I think he's a great coach, but I just yeah, think he's, he's awesome. a cultural like, fit. I think, I, I think that he is going to be the next head coach of one of those Midwestern programs and he is going to build something amazing there. But like, yeah, I don't think he's a good cultural fit. I don't know if he'd recruit the area that well. Um, but like, so Luke Fickle's off it. I think, you know, Lane Kiffin's obviously high on that list. Um, James Franklin, high floor, I think higher. Uh, but you know, I mean, he's he's got some Title Nine things in his past that I think. Yeah, are he does. That once I read about that, I was like, okay, you know, you he's not getting hired here. Um, so like, I think you know, Lane Kiffin, if 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 they you know vet him and find like that his you know shenanigans like Joey Freshwater are not that big of an issue, um, I think they could pull the trigger on that. Uh, Billy Napier, yeah. I think, is a really good option. Uh, I'm afraid of hiring group of five guys after watching Scott Frost and Tom Herman flame out after I was sure they were going to be fantastic. But then also again, Fleck. 
you know, P, you know, PJ Fleck hasn't really burned it up there, and Jeff Braun. Yeah, he kind of has. He, they they have been bad for like the last two years now. I mean, they haven't been bad, but they haven't been great. Is the best way to say it. Right, but like I, the, the thing is, like I think I think PJ Fleck is a better hire for like an Iowa right now than he is yeah. for an LSU. Maybe two, maybe two years ago, but like uh, Mel Tucker, Mel Tucker yeah, is. Yeah probably the most controversial among the LSU fan base for like, you know, obviously mostly terrible reasons because that's how the message boards are. But like Mel Tucker was, you know, right hand to Saban for a little bit. He was a big part of building Georgia into the recruiting machine that it is right now. Um, Like he is like, he was Kirby's defensive coordinator. He is one of the best recruiters in the country. Um, yeah, Mel, Mel Tucker checks every box. Right, and, he, he and just he's, does. Been, he's been in the Death Stars. That's the thing. Like he's he's sat at the control panel in the in the Georgia and Alabama Death Stars, and like the the one concern about him is sample size, which you know, okay, sure, Agreed. sure, fine. Um, and the other concern is is offense. I think if he goes and hires a really good offensive coordinator like Jeff Grimes, I'd love to have him back, or uh, Jeff Lebby, the OC at Ole Miss or some other guy probably named Jeff as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, just any coach named Jeff. Yes, anybody <laughs> named Jeff. Any any person named Jeff. He'll figure it out. Uh, no, I'm, I'm yeah, with like, you on that. Like, the Saban thing does make me a little bit nervous, uh, mainly because I worry that programs in today are chasing Saban the same way that programs in the 80s were chasing the bear. Where, where you would just hire guys and be like, well, he once coached for the Bear. And, you know, and that's how LSU ended up with Curly Hawk. You know, he had some tenuous connection to uh, to the Bear. Yeah, that's true. And, 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 and so the Saban thing, while important on the one hand, because Saban is the best coach in college football, maybe ever, and him having, as you say, inside the Death Star is a point in his favor. In a way, it's kind of a negative as well because you don't want to just hire a guy because he was – connected you know oh Saban you know we just sprinkle some little dust on it I think the part about him I like is the other part you mentioned he also went off to Georgia and and yeah and, and just wreaked hell there and like he built one of the that best 2017 the defense too with he was the defensive coordinator for that that Roquan Smith 2017 drag Jake Fromm's ass to the national title game defense like yeah. and as also, a true freshman, you drag that guy as a true freshman to the national championship. Like that is unreal. I think people have forgotten how bad things had gotten at Sparty. Yeah, and they D'Antonio, were. D'Antonio is a great coach. He is. I mean, I mean he's not Saban, but Dan, Mark D'Antonio is going to go down as one of the best coaches of his era. Yeah, but at the end, he let it go. You know, he stopped. It's sort of like Bobby Bowden at the end. He, he stopped yeah, showing up. Like the Jim Beheim at Syracuse. Yes, it's very much that. I mean, I think at the end of the day, that doesn't besmirch your legacy. When you look back 20 years from now, you'll still be like, hey, great coach. But right. in the moment, yes. I mean, when he took over that program, Michigan State was horrible. He yeah, took over awesome. a mess. And to have them back this quickly speaks so highly of the guy. Yeah. And, and like the one concern I have is that he's not – the one real concern is that he's not really – like. I don't want to criticize him for not being forward thinking on offense, but like I would like for him no, to be better apprised of it and hire better people. But like, you know, I mean, as long as it's not terrible, um, if you're recruiting at the level Mel Tucker is going to recruit at, you'll be all right. But no, you are right though. That is a huge, I think that is the biggest concern. Yeah, it is. It is. It, he it, needs like, to hire an offensive coordinator and LSU for 30 years has been burnt by not being able to hire an offensive coordinator. Right. And I think that's the and big, maybe appeal. Not that that's the big appeal for Lane Kiffin is that like you are going to have the best offensive schemes, no matter how, you know, the ground shifts, like we've seen him go from, you know, what he yeah. did at USC. We've seen him shift it to Alabama 2014. It was kind of a pro style spread kind of mix. Then when Jalen Hurts comes in and, you know, the spread option wave really hits the big schools, like he's ahead of that. Uh, and they do a great job there. Then he, you know, goes to FAU. And now that the, uh, the you know, moral issues aside, that the Bryles tree kind of offenses are really, really taking over college football. 
Like, you know, he went and hired Kendall Bryles. That's also a problem. Um, Huge red flag. He that's a red flag. It's a, it's a, it's a yeah. football green flag and a hiring red flag. Yeah, um, Kendall Bryles, no one named Bryles is allowed anywhere near our program. Right. No, he he, he certainly can't come. Uh, I, I, You know, Jeff Lebby kind of runs that offense without the connection to any of that stuff because he was brought up through Hypel at, at UCF. Yeah. Um. So so I love that. Um. I love Jeff Lebby. Uh, I don't know if he would come with Kiffin. Uh, that would be a promotion for him too, the LSUOC job. He'd certainly get paid. But he might be up for the Ole Miss head coach. Right, job. that's the other thing. But even then, yeah. like – Lane Kiffin knows what's up with this offense. He can run it himself or bring in another guy. Um, I I think what's interesting about Lane Kiffin is five years ago, we all kind of know Lane Kiffin's reputation. He'd almost coached his way out of the profession. He yeah. Joey Freshwater, the whole thing. Now, five years after that, he's kind of the conservative choice. Yeah, I, like, I, I really feel yeah. like he's kind of the establishment choice. It's like, hey, you know, Lane Kiffin, he's a good coach. He's been around for a while. He knows what he's doing. And also, I do think he's matured a lot. He's not the same guy who torched Tennessee. No, he's, for sure. Uh, to make an old uh, analogy, I think he's a lot like Mike Archer was at LSU. He got promoted to head coach too early in his career. He did. And yeah, he made he a mess of things. And the difference is Mike Archer just went on to become a really good defensive coordinator for the rest of his career. And Lane Kiffin kept getting head coaching chances. And now I think I'm not too worried about the off the field stuff. I think Kiffin is now much more of an adult. Yeah, he is an adult. And like the thing is, like the, the, you know, space age schematics that you want in like the, in a lot of younger coaches have not left him. Like it is, like he's still ahead of everything on offense. And you are going to have an offense that you, as long as you have a talented thrower of the football, which LSU has like two and a half of them, Max Johnson is decently talented. Howard and Nussmeyer are fantastically talented throwers. I actually like particularly really love Nussmeyer in that system. I think he would blow up, um, particularly with those ridiculous receivers. Like it's like you're going to score 40 points a game, like unless something, you know, unless you get hurt, like you're going to go score 40 points a game with your talent and that offense. And that's so enticing, like to have that, that, you know, all right, we're going to be really sick on offense almost no matter what, um, you know, barring like, yeah, no, I, I totally, that's enticing, totally, but you have the same concern as Mel Tucker, except it's in the inverse because Lane exactly. defenses at Ole Miss have been terrible. They have been among the worst in the country. DJ Durkin, is not only another guy we cannot hire. <laughs> we cannot have him. He's a reprobate who kills children, but he's also unlike Kendall Bryles, a terrible coordinator as well. Like the yeah. g- granted, their players on defense are are bad. Like it's it's just a terrible. It's just not good. It's a total mess, and he sort of inherited that. But at the same time, like you one, you can't bring DJ Dirk in here. Two, like you need to show that you can really go identify what's what on defense and bring it in. And he has not yet at all. Yeah. I would also say this as much as I, we I've just said that Kiffin is the kind of the conservative choice and he is really exciting on offense. He has never shown the top end ability to win, even the way Mel Tucker's doing this year. Right. Well, we'll see. Because he's got, he's been at Miss, so that's, a, but yeah. he was at USC and USC, he did not exactly, you know, churn out 10 win seasons. They went and 11 other two once, but like. I, and I know there's other things going on there and it's kind of a different thing, but still he's already had the USC job. Yeah. And he didn't, and I, I do think he's a different coach now, but that is a huge concern. I, I, I like Kiffin a lot. If they hired him, I would totally support that. I, I am, I am on board. I do think Tucker and Kiffin are your top two candidates. And obviously I think that, you know, the third one, you're right. It's, it's Napier. Just because there is the whole group of five thing we're worried about, but it is kind of embarrassing that the best head co- head football coach in the state of Louisiana is, is that at UL. Yeah. The, yeah. the thing about Napier is that, like, you know, yes, you have to worry about the you know group of five, like Scott Frost, Tom Herman disasters. But Tom Herm, first of all, Scott Frost walked into just an absolute. Nebraska's mess. got its own issues. Nebraska's dead. Nebraska is a corpse of a football program. LSU is not. Um, Billy Napier knows all of the high school coaches he will be talking to for recruits. Yes. He knows all of, you know, the schools. He knows the area. He knows how to recruit them at a high level. He did it for Saban. 
I mean, I, I know, you know, I don't want to lean too hard on the Saban things, but like he went in and pilfered some recruits from Louisiana for Saban because he knows the area. Yeah, so no, I agree. He, he's that, recruiting. Yeah, that and the LSU, you know, the LSU infrastructure that has contributed to the last three head coaches winning national titles, or at least the, the two after Saban. Um, I think that that sort of meets him halfway in a way that Tom Herman and Scott Frost were not given in their spots. So I think that when you combine that, combine the fact that Billy Napier can flat out coach ball, his systems are very good. His defensive coordinator is awesome. Patrick Tony is a rising star. He will get an LSU type defensive coordinator job. The fact that he hasn't already is kind of crazy. Um, so like, Billy Napier is it, it, like if it's Billy Napier, you know. Look, you always. I'm excited if it is. If it's yeah, Billy Napier, too. I'm extremely excited. He, he is. I... He's a very logical choice, and I think a lot of LSU fans are, would turn their noses down at it, um, particularly a certain type of fan. But I love getting guys on the come up. Like I, I think I don't want to get Saban. I want to get the next Saban because Saban's right. almost at the end of his career. And I yeah. think so often when you're looking at these hires, you know, you throw out these names and you're guys that. I mean, they're not at the end of their career, but they're nearing it. And I want a guy who can come here and be awesome for 10, 20 years. And I think that's what's great about both Tucker, Kiffin, and, you know, and Napier is that they're all still really young. Right. And I think like, and yeah, go for it. I, I was, I was going to say, what's funny is when you think about the other names, what's funny is the name that's not getting mentioned because last year, if this job comes open, Matt Campbell is one of the hottest names in the country. Oh god! And man. how much has that guy's stock fallen in a month? Yeah, I mean, like the thing about Matt Campbell that Matt Matt Campbell, by the way, was always a no go for me because he doesn't recruit well and he just doesn't. Care yeah, for I agree. It. Like, the, like, fine. You want to you want to make up a talent you, talent disadvantage at Iowa State? He's your guy. You want to go recruit and win national title at LSU? He's not your guy. It's that simple. Uh, I think Matt, that's it. It's Campbell needs to stay where he is, and I think he kind of knows that. Yeah, and so I, and also like Dave Aranda is going to get a curse we mentioned. I would love for Aranda to just get an interview, just because I think we owe it to him. I know that sounds weird, but I, I don't really want Dave Aranda to be our head coach. You know, I would look at it a little bit more closely than I think you're thinking. I think that Dave Aranda should be a legitimate candidate. Um, like the there's the question about you know how willing he is to recruit, but the thing is like if he does a step if he does know that all right my deficiencies are as a recruiter I'm gonna go get a bunch of you know assist like position coaches and whatnot that are really really good recruiters which Dave Aranda is smart enough to do um, I agree. then I think it's it's no problem because uh, the coach himself isn't necessarily the great recruiter the infrastructure he builds is what does the recruiting. So, I agree like, with that. I- I would say my problem with Aranda is more is not it's not really Aranda himself. My thing is, I think you're gonna go. You should go after Tucker and Kiffin and make a decision between those two. And it's possible they say no. Maybe Kiffin just doesn't want to doesn't want to move so quickly. They've talked about Tucker's only been at Michigan State for two years. Maybe they money with him. Um, I don't know. But if you miss on those two, there is no earthly way Billy Napier says no to this job. Uh, no. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. I, I honestly, I don't think there is. I don't think there's a Wayne Lane Kiffin says no either. Uh, I mean, I, there's still enough Lane Kiffin in there uh, that yeah, he's going to want this shot, and he's going to want this shot at redemption at a big school. Uh, I think Lane Kiffin will definitely take it. But yeah, like there's no way Billy Napier says no. This is the one he's been waiting for. Like he's, I agree. Like, he's turned down. So, I, like he turned down Mississippi State. I think. Uh, Ole Which Miss I think is smart because Mississippi State's a graveyard yeah. of coaches. Yeah, it really is. Like the fact that Joe Moorhead – well, I mean Joe Moorhead wasn't a regional fit I think is the biggest reason Joe Moorhead failed. Um, but like but Joe he didn't Moorhead, really fail. I mean he won eight games. Yeah, he's a like he's a damn good football coach. Uh, the problem with Mike Leach is that just the air raid is dead. Uh, yeah. You can't yeah. really run the air raid anymore. Um, but like, yeah, I mean Mississippi State – he he knew that, and, and and I think he also suspected there's a chance you know LSU might come open in the next couple of years because you know Ed Ogeron's a little volatile in terms of his employment yeah. status, which you know is a good calculation. Good call. Um, yeah. So I don't think he would say no. Uh, but kind of to circle back to Dave Aranda a little bit, like the only real concern I have with Dave Aranda is sample size, which is also a Mel Tucker concern. But like Dave Aranda has shown, we know how he is on defense. He's always yeah. he's he literally has a you know. 
a package called Wizard 4, but like, yeah, he's a wizard. Um, and the thing that really impressed me and that has ratcheted him up on my list is that, you know, he really knew what's up with offense. He went and got Jeff Grimes uh, and has turned his offense around in a year. Um, yeah, no, he has turned Baylor around quickly. I know they won the year before he got there, but they graduated everybody yeah, off that team. Yeah, and, and, and like they walked into last season with Charlie Brewer, at quarterback who's terrible. Uh, they kind of tried to run the LSU offense a little bit. Didn't work. Uh, Dave Aranda did what Ed Ogeron should have realized last year and said like, okay, no, no, no. You know, we can't really do this without Joe Burrow. Um, we're going to go, you know, get this really quarterback-friendly system that, you know, is just – is is on is sort of on the come up in what's going on conceptually in college football. Goes and gets Jeff Grimes, um, who, by the way, the reason like Jeff Grimes is a big reason I kind of want Dave Aranda as well, um, because yeah, I agree with that. He is he's great. He is top five offensive coordinator in the country right now, and the big thing that he does really well, and he and his offensive line coach Eric Mateos, who is one of the best offensive line coaches in college football, period is develop offensive linemen and you will have you will have even with the guys you got right now you will not have a terrible offensive line next year and like you don't have to sacrifice like all you know the pass concepts the stuff they do in the run game the stuff they do in the play action rpo game it's all up to date it's all really effective and you just develop these awesome offensive lines because those two guys are great at it like they have a great offensive line right now at Baylor, which is honestly those players are less talented than LSU's. They are even even as bad as LSU has been at recruiting the offensive line. LSU's offensive line is still more talented than Baylor's. Yeah, like, I, I would I would agree with that. Yeah, like, and Baylor that would answer Baylor that can question. Athletes because Baylor is a good track program, so they tend to get really fast guys. But right, line is always a problem there. And like like what they have done there is incredible. So I think you would have. If you had Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos in the building, you would have a top five offense in the country next year with either Garrett Nussmeyer, Walker Howard, whoever, because uh, that offense made Zach Wilson look a lot better than he was. That and his, uh, their opponents. Um, Zach Wilson didn't really have to process anything. He just had to go be a talented thrower. Uh, similar, not, not quite in the same way that Matt Corral did because it's a different system, but like similar in theory. Uh and and I really think that like that is so appealing. We know what he's going to do on defense because it's awesome. Um, and like, man, I think if Dave Aranda is for real as head coach, again, sample size, which uh, honestly it really does look like he's just a hyper competent guy. He's brilliant. He, he's competent. I, I think the floor is very high. I worry about the ceiling. Is kind of my yeah, yeah. Because like we wonder what kind of recruiting machine he's going to build. I think that's the thing that makes Mel Tucker's ceiling so high is that man, he's he's. I think yeah, he's going to be able to bring in top three classes. Uh, and and that's one of the things I, th- I like about Franklin is that he's such a good recruiter as well. Um, and he's such a high floor guy too. Like we know what he's done at Penn State. We know he can run a high level program um, at that level. And I mean, the other thing that he's done that is so impressive is, I mean, he went nine and three with Vanderbilt twice. Yeah, no, yeah, he, he can coach. Fra- Franklin can coach. Uh, yeah, the, the, the title nine the stuff title. worries you, me. You but... can't, like I, I, when, when I read you know, the details of kind of what went down. Like it was, you know, he and his wife, I believe, called like the victim of, you know, several of his players and like said like general platitudes, like, oh, we're praying for you and like all that stuff. But like, and and, like maybe he had good intentions and just was a little tone deaf. But at the same time, like when I first read that, I was like, wow, this is kind of just like the Hush Blackwell stuff with, uh, you know, Gloria Scott when Ed Ogeron allegedly called her and I was like, man, like I, if I were a reporter right now and James Franklin got hired, I would write about all the parallels between those two things. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's, it's a story waiting. And that's the same thing like we talk about an NFL guy who we didn't bring up, Eric Bieniemy, um, who I think would be a great coach. But he, you can't touch him with a 10-foot yeah. goal at LSU. Um, same thing. He, you know, yeah. he was implicated yeah. in the Colorado scandal. Right. And and this is the thing is like. I'll even give them the benefit of the doubt and say that both Franklin and Biennemi are totally blameless because I do not know all the details. Yeah, but it's... That it's, doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. It, 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 right now, LSU needs someone who is spotless. There, uh, or at least cannot, in, at least spotless in this regard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you need someone who is not going to fuel 20 more stories in the USA today. Right, you, like you this just needs can't to be over. It. Yeah, you, you need to... And honestly, this is one of the reasons why they probably should have fired Orgeron last year. 
um, just because you needed to end the story. Um, right. Man, that would have aged really well too. Cause that would have like, look, we hired, we fired our national championship winning head coach, you know, just because we like, we take these things so seriously and we are out ahead of it. And that would have been a great PR move because Ed Orgeron wasn't really on the hot seat at the time. And yeah, like, and, but and then you get ahead of this like, too. But now the story is we care yeah. more about winning. Yeah, they paid his full buyout. Like, this is not that. And, yeah, he no. and by the way, he could have gone after his buyout too. Uh, Which is the other reason why it's, it's happening so seamlessly. So right. Yeah, because he's doing that full buyout. To turn the page, we're, we're playing Ole Miss this weekend. Is this the Kiffin tryout game? You know, so if yeah, you want maybe. Lane Kiffin, should you be rooting for Ole Miss in this game? Well, no, you should never root for no, Ole Miss. No, no, that's that. that no, I, if you root for Ole, like, no. yeah, yeah, turn, you're in, a turn in your card, turn in your fan yeah. card. Um, yeah. But like, you know, that that sort of depends on if Matt Corral plays. Uh, I agree with that, Ogeron. I think that's a smoke screen. I don't think Lane Kiffin's going to go out there basically unprompted and say, "Oh man, Matt Corral, he's he's walking around. He's got you know ten swords that's sticking out of his abdomen. Like, we don't know if he can play. Like, yeah." Yeah, okay. That's not what he's playing. He's playing. Um, Short of death, he's playing. Right, he's going to play. Um, and, like, so so if he does, like, I mean, this is such a bad, I think, scheme matchup for LSU. Like, this is an offense that just has so much that they can do to attack cover one with explosive plays, and LSU won't really get out of it. Uh, and they paid for it against Florida. I mean, they that was a bad defensive game they had. It was like, I mean, like you gave up 42 points and were handed three picks. That's brutal. Um, and like, yeah. like, uh, yeah, you gave it up to like two quarterbacks who are still learning, like one of them who's just bad in Emory Jones and another who's really learning to play the position in Anthony Richardson. Um, he, Richardson definitely showed some problems. He scored he's a the four great touchdowns. Guy. Yeah, he's a talented I mean, That's guy. a guy who definitely, he's not there, but he showed the talent. It makes me nervous for the future. For sure. So, well, uh, if he doesn't transfer. <laughs> yeah, that's why I liked all the stories about, hey, do you want to transfer? I know. I that's right. To transfer. I want, transfer. I, want to transfer. Him go for, uh, I want to see him go play for Josh Heupel over at Tennessee. Like, any any talented transfer, I want to go to Tennessee. I want Rattler to go to Tennessee because I think that would be incredible. Um, and, like, but, like, yeah, I think they, like, Ole Miss does so much stuff. Like, they'll pop those deep overs. They'll pop those posts. Go over your head with it. Like, they'll throw, you know, a lot of uh, – wheel routes off play action, which LSU cannot defend because they ha- their linebackers have to carry it and play the run at the same time, which is so brutal. Like Kentucky now, and Now, can Florida, LSU keep pace with them on offense? I well, mean, may- well, I mean, maybe because Ole Miss's defense is terrible. Right. It sucks. It's hard. Um, but, like, I think if Matt Corral is, like, 100% or even close to it and capable of making all the throws he needs to make, I could see LSU giving up 60 points, honestly. Like, it provided, you know – I would love to see him go full Matt Corral and throw five interceptions again, but like they've taken even more processing off his plate where like that dude just does not have to think like at all on any of his dropbacks. So like, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot like Richardson where he he scrambles for a lot. Yeah. 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 And that's the, that's the other thing. Like they will get like LSU plays four down all the time. Like they're not like Alabama or Georgia that's flexible in their fronts or another or any other team that you know plays three down and has extra linebackers. They will play four down. So what Ole Miss is going to do a lot is they're going to spread you out because LSU is in a four-two-five structure. They're going to spread you out, so you're going to end up having to walk one of those linebackers out, sort of you know outside the box to kind of defend the pass um, and kind of you know match up with your guy. And they're going to have that one linebacker left. Um, and they're going to call, you know, their stick draw RPOs, their, you know, seam draw RPOs, where you read that linebacker that's walked out, and if he kind of runs with his guy, uh, you run it, and you have your running back as the lead blocker for that one remaining running, uh, one remaining uh, linebacker, and that's what they did a lot against Tennessee, which is a big part of why Corral rushed for 200 yards, despite not being like he's a good athlete, but look. 200 rushing yards for a quarterback is Cam Newton, Tim Tebow, Dak Prescott territory. That's uh, what I think he's going to do to us. Yes, I, I really yeah. – uh, 200 is is the over-under bar. Well, I, mean, I mean, like if it's on the he, table, he's even running it. Like, it. like if they're not just dropping bombs over our head the whole time and like saying, why bother? You know, we're they're playing yeah, cover I like our one. Coverage, I like our coverage enough. I like our corners enough to at least yeah. keep them from just dropping yeah, bombs nonstop. I, but... I don't like this. I don't like the coverages they're going to have. Like they're they're like, you can play cover one if your corner like this against an offense like this if your corners are absurd. I think LSU's corners are decent right now, um, but like what 
all the stuff they have off play action, you know, the wheels, the pop passes, as well as, you know, those deep crossers, those post routes, the sideline verts they can burn you on. Like they may like, look, they may say like, you know, we're going to do a lot of quarterback run stuff, a lot of that RPO stuff, or they're going to say we're going to go play action and just nuke you. See, I don't even think it's going to be designed. I think he's going to drop back. And as soon as he, if he doesn't have the man, he's going to just take off and no one's going to be there to stop him. Yeah, but I, I think I do he's going to have the man. That's the thing. Over, I think he's going to easily rush for over 100. It's Oh, yeah. I think he's easily, rushing for over 100. Easily. You know, if he doesn't, Jerry Neely, Henry Parrish, or Snoop Connor will. Um, but, like, yeah, I think he's going to rush for over 100. I think he's going to drop, like, 360 uh, and, like, three touchdowns. Like, I think – look, uh, then again, like, you know, this is why we play the games. They could drop a bunch of balls. He could not be 100% and really start and really struggle to, you know, generate the velocity and accuracy on his throws that he's used to uh, and all these things. Um, or he no, can. No, I just, think it's going to be a shootout. I, I no, think oh, yeah. No, I, think it will, I think it will be, but like, I don't want to. I'm trying to get ahead of it in case it's not and I get old takes exposed for it. Um, like, you know, there's a reason we play the games. I was certain we were going to lose to Florida um, badly. So, but like, you know, I am actually like legitimately excited for this one uh, in a yeah, way I, I, I think haven't that's been since Auburn. One of the big things about the Florida game is it, it brought some excitement back to the year. Yes. Um, I mean, LSU is not going to win the national title or anything. They're not going to win the SEC. We all know that's out the window. But I do think there's now at least a little bit of, hey, maybe this team isn't as bad as we thought it might be, the way it was swirling down the drain. And, okay, Bama's unwinnable, but everything else on the schedule at least is winnable. I mean, it doesn't uh, – you're not favorites. Right. But it's not like you're going to the game going, we have no chance. Yeah, the other and, thing the other thing that I really want them to do is to win a couple games and make my uh, make my visit down to Baton Rouge for the A&M game more interesting. Um, yeah, I, I really want to beat A&M this year. Let's, yeah, let's no, me play. too. Like, I, I want, like, Ed Orgeron's last game – well, potentially they might go, to the, might go to a bowl game at that point. Yeah. Um, but, like, the last, like, real game as, as the LSU head coach to beat – just to beat – Jimbo Fisher, the guy, you know, everybody wanted over him one last time. Yeah, just one last time. Just, just take him for a ride. It'd be great. Yeah, so, like, you know. Do we have any, I don't think we have any questions this week, do we? I don't think so. Yeah, so. Yeah, we don't care. And honestly, they were we all going to be guys coaches anyway. Yeah, it was. So you you heard it here. We, we, like, we like Kiffin and Tucker and Napier. That's kind of our – that's our short list. And, and, and so, honestly, like – and the only reason we don't like Franklin is for title line. That's like I, I don't want to say like James. Yeah, no, Franklin he's a great coach. A bad uh, football hire. And you know, and Aranda's are kind of on the list as well. And I would, I would not I, be I think, upset with that. I'd be very, I'd be pleased with that. There's not a whole lot of coaches out there that I've heard mentioned that I'm just like, there's no way we should hire this guy. Well, uh, Bill O'Brien is one of them because I like Bill O'Brien. What are you doing? Yeah, Jimbo um, too. I don't want Jimbo. Jimbo, yeah, no way. Uh, I don't take the Gruden thing seriously at all. So I don't no, that, that's, no that, that's, that's, you know, boomers on Tiger Drop. Yeah. It's like, oh, let's go get John Gruden. Yeah, no one, no one wants that. I yeah. don't even think that's a consideration. You can't, no, no, uh, certainly not for, certainly not. I, I certainly don't think um, an African-American president of university is going to sign off on hiring a racist football coach. Uh, I think yeah. he has more self-respect than that. <laughs> uh, Honestly, I think the only coach out there that truly terrifies me that is realistic is hiring Damo. Yeah, uh, uh, is Bill, well, Bill, uh, depending on the Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien, that scares that me. Jimbo, like Jimbo scares me. Jimbo is like, I, I don't think Dabo is going to take the job, um, but like Jimbo scares me because Jimbo would not be a good hire at all, and you would have to pay him a boatload. You would have to pay him like you're poaching Saban, and like man, he's not Saban. I don't want to like like that's. I mean, you're really paying for like, you're paying like eighty dollars for a hot dog at that point. And look, I love yeah. hot dogs, but like, come on, it's still a hot dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I, like, yeah, that comes down to it. I don't think Jimbo Fisher is a bad football. Coach. No, but he's not a great one either. I just don't think he's a great one. Not and, anymore. Um, you have to pay him like he's a great one. So forget well, that. Like all, all, a lot of the things that you you really point to for Jimbo is like, oh, like. People are talking about, oh, he's this great quarterback developer. I'm like, yeah, since when? Since 2013? Since Jameis Winston? Like, Jameis Winston is almost 30. Like, he he's out. He's not a consideration yeah. here. Yeah, there's been nothing since then. Yeah, I mean, like, Kellen Mond, first of all, he didn't develop him, and he wasn't good. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. 
Florida, two strikes right there. Florida State's I mean, quarterback, like he failed DeAndre Francois. Like he failed, failed a good system for DeAndre Francois, who is a very talented quarterback who looked really promising early in his career, and he ruined him. Like he destroyed that guy, and that was that was concerning to me. Like that, and he left Florida State in a mess. Texas yeah, the A&M the has way he left Florida better. State, that that program is still a dumpster fire. And I know Willie Taggart didn't help afterwards, but still, that's a lot of that's on Jimbo. Yeah, no, like Jimbo, Jimbo stopped recruiting. And like, I mean, I know they had a lot of really talented players at the end there, but like the way he ruined DeAndre Francois was yikes. So yeah, so yeah, there's your short list. We're gonna, I don't want to say probably lose the Ole Miss, but let's not. Let's keep the good vibes, no matter what happens against Ole Miss, Florida. It's gonna it's gonna get us through because you know we are hurtling towards the Bama game, and everyone, let's buckle up tight for that one and just get through it, and then we'll get through November. And, you know, that's where we get to find some wins in, in November and end this thing on a high note. Yeah, I mean, the and fun that, thing is – oh, yeah. Huh? No, I take it. Oh, yeah. No, I just think that the fun thing is that, like, you know, whatever happens in the Ole Miss game, like, either LSU wins or we get to see, like, this, you know, really cool tryout of this Lane Kiffin space-age offense against LSU's dinosaur defense, and I get to be really right about everything – um, which and is that's cool. what the important thing is. Right. That, that, that's what that is the sales pitch for this game. Watch Max be right. Yes. Or or watch me be wrong and celebrate a win. Even better. So let's do that one. Go Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>